In fact, really around the Christmas season is typically when people are the most stressed out, right? Like I, I kind of have thought about it, and the reality is, is that for the majority of the time that I preach, that really anybody preaches, you really work three times harder. Like I was just standing at the back there talking to my cousin saying, I'm surprisingly nervous considering how often I do this because there's just an expectation, there's a pressure. There's so much that we could be competing with on these months. You know, you think that Jesus's birthday would be an easy occasion to preach, but it's actually more challenging, right? Like happy birthday, Jesus. Now hurry up and we got other things to do. You know, we've created chaos and commercialism that drives us to the brink of insanity, you know, but happy birthday, Jesus, you know? And, and it's true, you know, Christmas is legitimately a stressful season for every single one of us, right? Between the gifts, the shopping, the parties. I love my dad's promo video. You know, he's like, the shopping and the parties and the things and the shopping and the shopping and, you know, all the things that we do in order to try to do our very best to create this perfect Christmas season that we feel like we want to for ourselves and also for the people around us that we love. And as a pastor, because of, you know, the season and what's happening, one of the things that I so desperately wish is I wish that I had the power to read people's mind, okay? And most people think that they wouldn't want to know that, but as a pastor, I feel like it would be a really helpful ability for me to be able to read all your minds. Like if, for example, you know, your stress meter was kind of like those sleep beds, you know how you like have the sleep numbers, you know, if you all had like a floating number above your head that told me how stressed out you were, you know, we got some threes and we have some eights and some tens, that would be so amazing for me during this Christmas season because it would really help me to gauge and interact with you. And in fact, really quickly, I, I want you to just think about that. What would be your stress level right now? You know, if you had to say, maybe some of you are, is anybody in here under an eight? Let's see, anybody under an eight? Oh, we got some under eight. That's so good. Let's do this actually for one second. Everybody close your eyes really quickly. Now think about what is your greatest source of stress? Hopefully it's not me and the fact that I'm talking right now. <laughs> now open up your eyes. Now, what I'm about to say might surprise you. It's actually not a magic trick, but I could tell each of you what that thing is that just flashed before your mind. Now, I might not know exactly the, like, the specific thing that each and every one of you are feeling, but what I do know is that it's going to fall into one of these four categories. It's either a place, a pace, a problem, or a person. A place, a pace, a problem, or a person. You know, maybe the place is here, right now. You know, maybe we're stressing you out. Maybe it's your first time here and you're like, you sing loud and you shout a lot. We got these weird people flagging at the front and there's some people who are lifting their hands, but then we have a violin and then we have lights on and it's kind of like a confusing place to be in general. And you're still sort of figuring out, how do I feel about this strange place? Maybe it's a pace. You know, you hear that all the time. I'm endeavoring in my own life to stop saying, when people ask me, how am I? I always say, I'm busy. Oh, I'm so busy. Oh, God, my life is so busy. Maybe it's that you feel like you're busy. Maybe you feel like the pace of your life is so extreme. Maybe it's a problem. Maybe it's something that's presenting in your life. Maybe it's a persistent problem, something that you haven't just been facing over this Christmas season, but it's something you've been facing for a long time. Maybe it's pain in your body. 
Maybe it's a loved one that you know you're not going to get to spend time with this Christmas season. Maybe it's a person. Maybe it's all people, just like people in general. Like everybody is my problem. That girl in the parking lot and that person in the line and this lady over here. Maybe it's just people in general, people. Humanity is my problem, okay? Now, and here's the thing. That's why I said close your eyes uh, and think about your problem. I didn't ask you to point to your problem because some of you in here maybe would have like pointed to the person that was beside you because they're actually your problem. But this is what I've realized is that in order to talk about the path to peace, we first have to talk about the source of our stress. Because whatever we identify as the source of our stress is inevitably the place where we will seek our peace. Let me say that again. Wherever we identify, whatever we identify as the source of our stress is where we'll inevitably seek our peace. And this is where the Christmas story, I think, comes along and it challenges us, you know, because really the, it's this amazing thing. And my, my sister, the worship leader, Jess, she came and she talked about there's the grand entrance of the angels, you know, to the shepherds. And they're like, peace on earth. And it's kind of this challenging moment with Jesus because, you know, we, we talk about peace and we talk about the reality of peace, but I think that the Christmas story, a lot of it for us, is that Jesus comes to expose to us what is the source of our peace. What's our expectation of what a peaceful life actually looks like? Because, you know, if you historically look back at the Jewish people and uh, uh, when you understand the peace that they were expecting the Messiah to bring. Um, they had, an, they had a, a, an expectation of what this was going to look like. They, you know, a, a, a lot of people, if you read historically, they thought that Jesus was going to rise up and he was going to bring peace through the sword, that he was going to overthrow the government of the time. And, and this was how he was going to prefer the Jewish people. And this was how they were going to experience the peace that had been prophesied to them for thousands of years. In fact, as we got into our text a little bit earlier, Zechariah paints a picture of this. In, in verse 74, it says this, that, that Jesus will come and rescue us. The Messiah will rescue us from the hand of our enemies. Rescue them from their circumstances, from their despair, from their poverty, from their destruction. Rescue them. But in verse 79, though, which is really where I want to focus us this morning, is that he kind of has this shift in perspective in verse 79. It goes from this place of, you know, Jesus is going to rescue us from this place of destruction. Instead of verse 79, he says he's going to shine the light for those that are living in darkness and in the shadow of death. Now, I, I want to focus there because I think that there's an important shift in perspective that we need as we understand what does the peace that Jesus is promising actually look like in our life? Because I've realized this, and I'm sure that you have too in your own life as you've sought the Lord and as you've walked with him, is that God doesn't always rescue us from the problem that we have. I don't know about you, but typically when I am, you know, I, I gauge my relationship with God by how quickly God will rescue me 
From, in fact, typically when I pray, when things aren't going right, one of the very first things that I cry out is, rescue me, Jesus. Because really that's what I'm looking for. But in this passage of scripture here, we see that Zechariah gives a very different perspective, is that sometimes God doesn't rescue us. Sometimes God will visit us in our trouble. Because I've realized this in my own life, that God uses our trouble to bring triumph in our life. And for years, that's, that's really what I thought the thief of my peace was. I thought the, peace, the, the thief of my peace was other people. You know, I thought it was the busyness of my life, my child, my wife, my job, my car, my stuff. It was the, the situations that I have, the problems that I face. I was constantly thinking that this was the thing that was so challenging in my life. And so because of that, I did my very best to try to arrange my life perfectly to do my best to remove everything and anything that brought even the slightest bit of stress. I thought that if I could remove myself or remove all the stressful things from my life, all the things that caused me problems or issues or anything that caused me to be uneasy, if I could just either remove myself from the situation or the situation from myself, I figured that what I would do is I would create a peace in my life that I actually wanted to live in. I used to think that if God could just change people, you know, if God could just change my wife, if he could just change you guys, that I would no longer experience if people would just act the way they're supposed to act this Christmas. But I realized something is God has been speaking to me really about the path to peace, which has really been, I would say, one of the major themes of my year this year is, because you see in Isaiah 9 verse 6, um, it, it's where it's the, uh, a moment in time where the prophet is defining some of the attributes of Jesus and what he would be like. It says this, that his name will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Eternal Father, and the Prince of Peace. So right away we understand that peace is Jesus. Jesus is peace. And, and it is an attribute of him that he would love that we would live in peace all the time. But when I saw this, is I realized that God called him the Prince of Peace. He didn't call him the Prince of Convenience. He didn't call him the Prince of Ease or the Prince of Comfort. He didn't call him the Prince of Preferences. And that's sometimes what I hear, right? When, when God promises me peace, what I hear is that he's promising me ease. He's promising me that everything is just going to go amazingly perfect in life, and I'm going to live in the Spirit, and we're just going to float together through all the trials of life, and I'm never going to experience any hardship or any challenges because, oh, God is with me. That's what I hear. I hear that I'm just going to feel good and everything is going to be perfect and my wife is going to act right and my daughter's going to act right and you all are going to act right and my car is always going to work perfectly and my house is never going to have any of the siding fly off. And... <laughs> but that's not what he says. He says he's the prince of peace. Now, maybe you don't need to hear this this Christmas season, but in case you do, let me tell you this. It's impossible to experience peace when we're chasing the carrot of perfection. It's impossible. It's impossible to have peace and perfection at the same time. 
that when we expect everything to go perfectly, there's never going to be any peace in that. I've discovered that my problem isn't people. It's not places. It's not the pace of my life. It's not even my problems. The biggest problem in my life that I'm facing is that I can't receive peace when I'm expecting perfection. The enemy of peace isn't people. It's not your boss. It's not the long lines at Walmart or the fact that Amazon just sold out of the perfect gift for your kid. The enemy of our peace is our insistence that everything in our life has to go exactly the way we want it to go. And this is the thing is that God, even God, when he shows us things, is that when God came down in the form of humanity, he was not in the form of perfection. How many of you know that? That when God came down, he didn't look like a deliverer. God looked like a dependent. And I think God did this on purpose for us because God wanted us to understand something, that he's going to bring us peace. This is a promise. His name is the Prince of Peace, and so it's, it's absolutely answered for you as to whether or not God wants you to live a peaceful existence. The answer is always going to be yes because of what Jesus has done for us. However, it may not look the way. <laughs> it might not fit your description. It, the peace that he's bringing may not be your preference. And he's showing me this is that if I'm going to live in peace, the very first thing that I have to do is I have to surrender my expectation of perfection. Can I tell you something? The easiest way to have a great Christmas season is to expect absolutely nothing. It's typically our expectations or the way that we think things are supposed to go that when things go contrary to the way we think it's supposed to go, that's actually when things begin to bother us. But I tell you something, peace is not found in a place. It's not found in the perfect venue. It's not found because your Christmas goes along problem-free. It isn't even in the fact that God would deliver us from all of our issues all the time. What brings me peace is that I have a confident expectation that wherever I am, that he will be right in the middle of that. Because this is what he says, right? It says that in this passage that we read, it says that he will guide us with the light, where? In, I don't like that, you know? It says that he will guide us with the light in the valley. Now this sounds super familiar, familiar to me in the sense of, what King David said, and I, I talk about this all the time because I love it, and I think that it helps me to set my mind right. You know, is that w when King David talks about it, he says this, that when I walk, where? Through the valley of the shadow of death. What? I will fear no evil. Why not? Why does David take a stance that I will fear no evil? It's not because God's promises that he will transport him around it right? He's, God's not building a tunnel so he could go under it. He's not like soaring with spiritual eagles so he flies above it. No, David says, I'm going to walk through the middle. But I tell you something, I won't fear why. Because you are with 
me. You see, he experiences peace not because he has no problems, not because everything goes the way he wants to. I don't know about you, but I would never choose that my path would go through the valley of the shadow of death. I, if I could choose, my life would go through the valley of abundance and prosperity and health and enjoyment and good food and fast cars. And... But David says it like this, that wherever we go, you can walk through the valley of the shadow of death, but you don't have to, you don't have to experience the unease because Jesus is with us. You see, what David is showing us is that who is with me is greater than what I am against. This is the picture that he's painting for us. This is the picture that Zechariah is painting for us is, is that God, I, I don't fear, I don't experience peace because everything goes the way I want it to go. I experience peace because I realize that whatever it is that I'm going against, I know that my God is greater than those things. And this is where God goes against our cultural expectation because his way is a very strange path to peace. Isn't it? I mean, if it was logical, if everything God did was logical, you'd think that God would have come to earth as a warrior, not as a weakling, right? I mean, Jesus should have come, you know, 24, Vin Diesel, Rambo, Terminator, full of testosterone, just ready to like, oh, I mean, that would have been the most logical way if God was going to bring peace through some aggressive action, but he doesn't. We see him not come in Rambo, Vin Diesel, Schwarzenegger, Terminator, we see him coming in crying, weak, yeah. tiny, dependent. His whole life was a strange path to peace. You see, this is what happens when we seek perfection, is that inevitably we use our situations to determine to us how we're going to find peace. How many know if Jesus was to try to rely on himself through some of his vulnerable years? He never would have been able to become the man he needed to be. How many of you know through the challenging and the issues and you think about like maybe Jesus got bullied and things like that. But he understood something. He understood that peace wasn't the response of some external situation. The external climate of my life is just ever so zen. Here's the problem is that whatever we identify as the source of our stress determines what we consider to be the source of our peace. And you know, this is why I don't like to blame people for my stress. This is why I don't like to blame places or situations or whatever, because if people give me my peace, people can also take away my peace, right? If my peace comes because everything in my life is going the way I want it to go, how many of you know that my peace is very fickle? Right. It's, it, it, it can change so quickly or so easily. It's like the wind. It can just change directions however it wants. And, and this is where we see so many people in our culture is that at, a, at the drop of a hat, a moment, my best day can turn into my worst day or my worst day can turn into my best day because I live so situationally but I don't want to live that way. 
I don't want to live to the fact where I need people to be perfect so that I can experience peace. That I need people to be a certain way, to act right, to be right, to do right, to respond the right way when I give them the gift. I don't want that. This is why the angels said it like this. They said, the angels appear. They have this moment where they appear to the shepherds. And they say, glory to God in the highest and peace on earth. Now I want you to notice this, that the peace is on earth, but it's not from earth. The peace is, not, the peace is on earth, but it's not of earth. The peace is on earth, but it's not what we're expecting this peace to look like. Because here's the truth. I don't want to have this plastic peace in my life. I don't want to have this peace that's breakable, that comes and goes and works and doesn't work, that's good and not good, that's right and that's not right. I don't want a peace that can be changed. I don't, want to be, I don't want a peace that can be molded. I want a peace that can be broken. I've learned that if I let other things in my life determine whether or not I should be peaceful, those situations can take it away. But I've realized something. I want a peace in my life that the world didn't give and the world can't take away. I want to have a peace in my life that doesn't depend on you or me or situations or problems or issues. I want to experience a peace. And this is the thing. When we're needing peace, I've realized this. This is a new revelation in my life. When we need peace, God gives us a prescription for peace. And the prescription is called a baby. <laughs> Let me tell you this. For those of you who don't have children, I'm going to give you a real word to the wise here. If you think that a baby is going to solve your problems, <laughs> that's only because you don't have any yet. <laughs> okay? Let me tell you. When you have a baby, there is not a moment in your day where your life is situationally peaceful. And I only have one. I told Danielle the other day, are you cool with one? Like, I feel like, I feel like one is cool. Two, that means I have to have one all the time. Like, I can't. That's my parenting skill. When the baby cries, just oh, give it to you, give it to the mom. That's, that seems to work for me. I mean. I did that when we first had Lola. I'm going to take two seconds of my time. When we first had Lola, I did that. Danielle had a C-section, uh, had Lola, and the first night that we brought Lola home, like, she was crying. The problem is, is that when you have the baby in the hospital, I don't know if you remember this, babies don't cry in the hospital. It's like they fake you out. Like, I can remember telling the nurse, like, oh, my God, like, my baby is the best baby. She doesn't cry. And they're like, they're like, yeah, okay. I think that's why they have, like, the one, two-night rule, because they know babies typically don't cry for one or two nights, but then you get them home. And it's like they make up for the two days that they weren't crying on the third day, right? 
So this is what happened, right? We, I, we brought Lola home, and Danielle was home, and she had a C-section. She's like major surgery, like stomach gets cut open. And I woke up in the middle of the night, and, you know, now I know it was a normal amount of crying. Like, babies cry. This is what they do. But she cried for, like, 30 seconds longer than I thought she should be crying. And I, like, ran into the room, like, with my newborn baby holding her out like this. Like, literally almost tossed her to Danielle and was like, she wants you, right? I think babies are the greatest prescription for needing life to be situationally peaceful. And so because of that, I've had to learn how to take my peace in pieces. Because if I waited until everything was perfect, where everything needed to be the way that I needed it to be, my life would never be peaceful. If I was waiting for there to be no crying, no messes, no pooping, See, what I've done is I've learned to thank God in my life when absolutely anything goes my way, right? Like, I've found myself doing this lately, is that I've found myself celebrating when it's just a fart, right? <laughs> parents, parents know exactly what I'm talking about, right? Like, all of a sudden, you get this whiff, and you're like, oh, God. And you try to pass her off to the mom, but the mom is busy, like, doing everything else. And she's like, it's your turn, honey. And you go upstairs, and you, like, get the clothespin to plug your nose, and you put the rubber gloves on with the spatulas, and you get ready to get in there, and you pull the diaper open, and you realize it was just a fart. And you're like, baba It's the greatest moment of my life that this is just a pee right now. Right? I've learned how to celebrate when anything in my life goes the way that I want it to go. Can I tell you something as I close? This Christmas, you can't wait for everything, for everyone to get along, to go along. You can't wait for everything to go right, to be the way you thought it was supposed to go. If there's just a piece of peace, a moment of peace, a fraction, you got to learn to thank God for the little moments that you have. You got to snatch it. You got to focus on it. You got to celebrate it. Because here's the thing. God didn't say that he was going to lead us on the path to peace. Verse 79 says it like this, that he will guide us in the path of peace. It's a very important distinction in this because it's not the path to peace because it's not something that's out there. It's not this place that I'm trying to get to in my life. It's not this, if everything can just go right and everything can just be perfect on this path, that one day I'm going to get to the land of peace. It's not like the someday. It's not the one day, maybe somewhere. It's not this fairy tale, once upon a time, story peace. The Bible tells me that it's not a path to peace, but it's a path of peace. It's not a future event. It's not a moment in time when everything seems to go the way you think it's supposed to go. It's not a when I get married peace. It's not a when the kids go off to school peace. It's not a when I pay the student loans off peace. It's not a when I get through Christmas peace. It's not a when the in-laws go home peace. It's not a path to peace. It's the path of peace. So what does this mean? 
What does this mean? That every step I take, he's with me. Every move I make, he's with me. Everywhere I go, he's with me. When I feel him, he's with me. When I don't feel him, he's with me. When it goes my way, he's with me. When it doesn't go my way, he's with me. When things are good, he's with me. When things are bad, he's with me. When I like it, he's with me. When I don't like it, he's with me. When they act right, he's with me. When they act wrong, he's with me. I realize something, it's a path of peace and what the path of peace means is that God is with me. That's what we celebrate. We celebrate the fact that God is with us. Then everything that we do, everywhere that we go, God is with us. I'm going to ask us just to take a second and bow our heads and close our eyes. The ushers can distribute the communion. This isn't something that we have to wait for. It's not something that the devil can put something in our path to remove it from us. This is an intentional fix our eyes on Jesus, the author, finisher, perfecter stance. Can I tell you, you're never going to experience peace if you need everything to be perfect. You'll never find peace when you're searching for perfection. And here's the reality this morning as we hold this cup in our hand. This cup and this wafer, while it is symbolic, it is the representation to us that God chose us. First John tells us that God chose me before I was even able to choose him. Who told us that we have to be perfect in order for God to choose us? Who told us that we have to look right or act right or be right in order for God to want to live with us and have relationship with us? That's as we hold this cup in our hand. This is the representation to us that Jesus loved us. The Bible says, while we were still sinners, while we were imperfect, while we had all the things going on in our life, that the peace of God in my life isn't the result of having no problems. It's not the result of everybody acting right. It's not the result of me being a certain place or the parties are perfect. But as we hold this cup in our hands, this represents peace to us. It's the presence of Christ in our life that enables our life to be peaceful. The Bible says that his body was broken, that his blood was shed for us. And as we partake in that as believers, it's a it's the key to the door of peace. And so I started with the question this morning, what is your greatest stress? And with every head bowed and every eye closed, I want to ask you this question. What is the place that you need a savior? Instead of focusing on my problem as a stress, I'm going to focus on the savior of my problem. Because this is what Christmas season is all about. It's about our savior. And so, Heavenly Father, as we hold these cup, this cup in our hands, Lord, we admit this moment that we need you. That's what this is all about. We realize we 
can't find peace until we first find you. And while it may look differently for all of us, we acknowledge that we need you. We invite you into our places of weakness. We invite you into those places where we need a savior. And we invite you to come and bring peace to those areas of our life. And Father, as we hold and as we partake of this cup and this juice or this wafer, Lord, let it be a symbolic expression to us that we are trading our problems for your peace. That we're trading perfection for peace. Lord, over every person, every family, every situation that's represented in this room, Lord, over every problem, every situation that everyone is facing, God, what I'm asking is, Yes, that you would bring the answer. Yes, that you would be the deliverer. Yes, that you would be the savior that you promised that you are. But this morning, Father, I'm asking that as we go through this Christmas season, would you give us the peace that's necessary to enjoy the journey that we're on? And we thank you for that in Jesus' name. I'm gonna invite you to just take the communion that. You could take a second if you want and just this moment of just quiet as we just sit here. When you're ready, just partake of that. And, and even as you take it, just say thank you. Thank you for my peace. Thank you that it doesn't have to be perfect. Thank you that it doesn't have to all go right. But God, I know that what makes it right is that you're with me in it all. And we thank you for that in Jesus' name. Thanks so much for joining us today. We pray your life was impacted by the service and that you were able to feel the tangible love of Jesus fill whatever space you're listening from. Maybe you found this message and you've never had the opportunity to come into a personal relationship with Jesus, or you've known about him but have been far from him. We want to give you the opportunity to make his love a daily reality in your life. Jesus came to this earth and died on a cross so that you and I could be close to him. He wanted to wipe away every disappointment and bring you into a life of purpose and meaning, one that will impact this globe for good. So if you'd like to begin this journey with Jesus today, then repeat the simple prayer after me. Dear Jesus, I'm praying this prayer because I know that I've made mistakes and have been living without you. I apologize and I trust that you will forgive me. I accept your love and grace and ask that you would be my Lord and Savior. Help me believe in you and love you every day. Help me to show the world what you're like and how great your love is. I commit to live for you from this moment forward. In Jesus' name, amen. All of our Light City family are joining with heaven and celebrating over the commitment you just made to have Jesus as the Lord of your life. We have resources available for you to help you on this journey, but most of all, we're praying for you. Send us a note at info at golightcity.com to let us know about the decision you've made today. We have resources we'd love to send you uh, with some easy steps on how to go from here so that you can discover God in a real and meaningful way. If you have a prayer request, our team would love to connect with you and partner with you to see God transform your life. God bless you, and we look forward to hearing from you soon.